We deliver tickets, t-shirts, and everything you need to rock. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Passion. What we deliver by delivering. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 68, recorded on April 17th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on today's episode, we've got some walk-offs. We've got Tyler Naquin's demotion. Uh, We've got some, I don't know if we can call them hot takes, but some takes about the Indians broadcasting crew. We're going to preview the Twins a little bit. We'll be taking your questions, of course. And as always, uh, please consider consider subscribing to us on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, Just search us anywhere you watch, listen to a podcast, really. We'll be there. Feel free to leave a review. It helps us get recognized, all that stuff, just to keep the podcast going. Uh, joining me today to discuss all of that and more is none other than Mr. Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I'd be doing better if the Indians were doing better. Uh, <laughs> last week was was not the most fun week of baseball I've experienced. Was, you know, it's, I'm not worried, but it's a, a frustrating group of games. Let's just everybody's going to always want to know until the Indians start winning. When do we start worrying? This is, I'm surprised nobody actually asked it, but it's something everybody's going to wonder about. So when do you start worrying if it keeps going like this? Uh, if they have a losing record a month from now, I'll be worried. If they're, you know, they're three games behind Detroit, if if a month from now, you know, they're, they fall seven games behind someone or something like that, I'd be a little worried. I, I saw really, I think it was Jay Jaffe of Sports Illustrated today, had something on, and this doesn't apply to the Indians because they're five and seven, um, but as small a sample as 12 games is that teams that are three and nine and worse, uh, like only three of them since the wild card was put in, only three teams that started three and nine or worse have actually made the postseason. So it's, you know, you cannot win the division in April, but you can sort of lose it. Uh, but the Indians are a ways, a ways away from that. There's, I'm not, I'm not worried about them. Yeah, I'm not worried. I, I do think it is underrated how hard it is to like catch up to a team when you fall behind here. Like, not everybody's going to have a 14 game win streak like the Indians did. So, if you're like a good seven games back by the end of the month, it's going to be hard to catch up, even though you have so much time because you have to win and the other team has to lose. And if you're behind multiple teams, that's a lot of teams you have to go hope to go wrong while you're winning a lot. So, right. I don't think it's a big thing to worry about, but it is. It's almost like people tend to worry not enough at some point, not after 12 games, but eventually, because it's just not as easy as it seems to catch up. Like you say, we have like, we have 130 games to to catch up seven, but the other teams are still playing. They're still winning. You still got to outperform while their teams fail. So yeah, it's always well, better to be in first. In terms of a, uh, a bright thing, as we've been talking, Michael Brantley just hit a home run to put the Indians up three to one. In the uh, series opener against the Twins, so you, go. <laughs> you just gotta keep keep babbling, and things will go well. <laughs> and just to show how silly April is, if if the Indians sweep the series, I'm pretty sure they're first in the division, and the Twins are last. And right now it's the opposite, or just about. Twins are second behind Detroit, but if the Indians sweep, they're they're in the lead, and the Twins are last. So April is weird. It's silly. So we'll talk about that too. Um. So yeah, last week of games, like you said, it wasn't great. I'd call it bad. Downright bad against two division opponents, the White Sox and the Tigers. The Indians won a whopping two games, one game in each series. It was fun beating up on Justin Verlander and hearing him complain about stealing signs. And then he sort of admitted maybe he's tipping pitches, but he just always starts with that whole, maybe the Indians are stealing signs thing. I don't know where he gets it from, but I like beating Justin Verlander a lot. I agree with a lot of what he says. 
Um, but he's just so annoying a lot of the time. <laughs> Everybody's always... A lot of Indians fans seem to hate Miguel Cabrera, but Justin Verlander is the one that I'm more annoyed with. More than anything, I think. So, so let's just start with um, general observations of the last week. So what did you notice watching the Indians look pretty generally awful over the last seven days since the last time we talked? As the person who's usually like the uh, the Debbie Downer in these discussions, I'm going to take advantage to lead off by saying, Michael, uh, I don't know why I said Michael. I guess it's hit the home run. Um, but scratch that. Francisco Lindor looks like an MVP candidate right now. Uh, you know, he did for the first week, and he did again in the second week. Uh, he's already picked up a hit tonight, and that extends his hitting streak to 11 games, I think. Uh, at this moment, he's batting 360 with a slugging percentage of 700. Uh, I think five doubles, four home runs already. Uh, he's spectacular. He leads uh, the major leagues in war over at Fangraphs. And, you know, two weeks into the season, there's a lot of, I'm sure, rounding errors and goofiness in that. Um, but you could not have asked for a better start from him. And he yeah, he just looks spectacular. Yeah, it's actually wrote about it earlier today that he's off to one of the best starts ever for an Indian. Like, if he keeps this up over the whole month, he's in a group of, I think it's like less than 15 players who have had OPS of what he has right now, which is 1.138. It's just he's insane, like he said. But the other kind of funny thing about leading in war right now, there's three players that have exactly one war. Did you happen to see or no? Yes, I, okay. I know. I, I'm <laughs> Chase Headley and Eric Thames. <laughs> Eric Thames, holy cow. Uh, the Brewers signed him, and he's ridiculous so far. He's just another home run. I think it's like five games in a row. But I don't think those two are going to lead the war leaderboards forever. I think Lindor might for the rest of the season, but that so it is kind of fluky. But he leads in so many things, and he's looked so good. It's not like it's one great game he's had. He's had several, and he's still great on defense. So yeah, I'm with you. I think he he looks like an MVP candidate. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's I mean, not that you can fluke your way to nine extra base. Well, you probably can. <laughs> not that anyone saying Lindor's fluked his way to nine extra base hits in you know a dozen games, um, but watching his at bats look really good. He oh, looks. Yeah. You know, completely in control when he's at the plate. Uh, you know, Brantley, who I've brought up twice already, once accidentally. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see the home run because I can't watch baseball while we're doing this. It's it's overload for me. Um, so I don't know how we looked in that at bat. I feel like Brantley has not looked especially good in a lot of his at bats. Um, he he's swung and missed at some pitches. I guess I'm sort of getting into my second thing. I guess I'm going twice in a row. You can go ahead uh, if you want. Yeah, I mean, one of my other things would be Brantley to me. He has swung and missed at some pitches that I feel like old Michael Brantley never would have swung at. Um, so, you know, his especially after the home run tonight, you know, he's got an above-average offensive line. And this early in the season, after basically missing all of last year, that's probably pretty good. He might still have some in-game rust he's working off. Uh, but, you know, the thing that it's always been a lead about him is his ability to avoid striking out primarily because he just doesn't swing and miss much. Uh, and hopefully he hasn't lost that because that would put a big, big dent in his value as a hitter. And I think a lot of that is just getting back from being gone so long. Is what I'm hoping anyway is that his mechanics still look fine as far as I can. I'm not an expert on mechanics, but from what I can see, he still looks like he's swinging fine. The swing looks exactly like it did before. So maybe it's just a matter of pitch recognition and the longer he plays, the better he'll get. I did glance at his stats over the last week. I think he's making a lot better contact now than he was. He had a really ugly one the other night. But in general, he's looking closer and closer to the real Michael Brantley instead of that shell of Michael Brantley we got in the first week. And now it's, what, like two home runs in four or five games he has? So yeah, it's pretty encouraging. Even not 100% Michael Brantley, this is probably better than whatever we would have gotten left field if he wasn't yeah. back, I have to imagine. 
Definitely. Yep. Yeah. I concur with that. So I'll piggyback off um, your bad, <laughs> your downer observation of somebody being bad. I'm going to go with Jan Gomes. He needs a break. Uh, something. I don't know. He's a veteran. I think he has an option, but you don't just send him down without asking him. So, I mean, do something with him. At least let Roberto start. Um, Roberto's caught Danny Salazar. I think all this starts this year and a bunch of last year. But then for some reason, Jan Gomes is starting tonight, despite the fact that he looks, I'd say, worse than last year. Just he looks so lost at the plate every at bat. Um, he's swinging and everything awful. When he makes contact, he's in great. I know we got a hit tonight that I saw, but just in general, Jan Gomes needs to not be in the lineup every day. I don't care how good his defense is. He's not hitting well enough right now. Yeah, I mean, but the flip side of that is Perez, who started two games each week, has a worse batting line than Gomes does. So, I mean, you're in... I guess you should say you can say Gomes should play less. Uh, and, you know, Perez's sample size is tiny right now, I know. Although Gomes is pretty too, is pretty small too. Um, yeah, the, Gomes after, at this moment, is, is batting 94. It's weird to say. <laughs> That's 940, right? He's almost perfect? Is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, point 940? Well, <laughs> Perez is batting 77. And... Uh, <laughs> And Jan Gomes has a couple of walks, and Jan Gomes has a couple extra base hits, uh, and Roberto Perez has neither of either of those things. They're both throwing runners out. They both continue to look good behind the plate. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, but at some point, your catcher's batting double figures is <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I guess I just think like Roberto's problems are the same ones he's always had. So I think he's going to get better. He's still going to draw a lot of walks. He's just not going to make great contact. It's not going to be very hard. I still think he look, uh, looks fine in his at-bat so far. He's just not getting anything. But but just looking at Gomes, he just seems lost at the plate. And Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Gomes, yeah. I agree that Gomes looks lost at the plate. Um, but also, Roberto I, wasn't the answer. For all the pretend man love I throw at him, they, there's got to be something somewhere. But I don't think it's Roberto either. Well, but the, I mean, the, the Indians have now, and, you know, Gomes, you can say, well, it was a while ago. It could be. Yeah. You know, you could write that one off. But they just signed Perez to that extension. And it's not an expensive yeah, it's extension. It's backup catcher money. Yeah, but there's no such thing as a long-term extension backup catcher money. Like, that was the thing to me about it is, I mean, he's, you know, he's, his salary's not hurting the team. But there's no reason to sign a guy to a deal that locks him under team control, you know, for, for that long if you just think he's going to be a backup. It's, that's a really weird move. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're going to hit better. They're both going to hit better than this. They're not going to be hitting double figures all season because um, no one does that. But, yeah, <laughs> it's been ugly. And I agree, Gomes looks lost. Again, I didn't see the at-bat tonight to know, you know, what the contact looked like, what his approach looked like. But I, I've watched a lot of bad Jan Gomes at-bats this season. You're right about that. Yep. Okay, so what's your next one? Or I guess your final one, since you cheated blatantly and just, just jumped in front of the line. That was fine, Jason. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, I guess... And again, like, I hate giving the, uh, hey, remember, we know this is a small sample, but the the starting rotation has not been fantastic so far. Uh, Carlos Carrasco's been very good. Uh, Danny Salazar, if you buy into FIP, has been good. And if you buy into ERA, has been less good. I mean, mostly he's just striking a bazillion guys out. Um, but Kluber's looked kind of meh. And Tomlin and Bauer have both looked really bad. 
so given that we're all sort of expecting the starting rotation to be the team's big strength, it's been a little disappointing two weeks in for that, if anything, to have been like the team's biggest weakness so far. Well, that and the inability to hit with runners in scoring position. Yeah, it's my my other one was actually that Danny Salazar is never going to be consistent. So, like you said, he he says like a forty percent strikeout rate coming into today. It's just that he's striking out a ton of batters. Even tonight, he he loaded the bases once and got out of it scoreless. And then I think he had like three base runners, and then he allowed a run run. Like he's never going to be a consistent shutdown pitcher every game. That's just what we're going to get. Like he's going to be based on luck so often. Like if a ball gets through, he's going to give up six runs in a night. If they don't get through. He's going to give up like two and still be gone by the fifth inning for some weird reason because his pitch count gets so high. So yeah, that's the thing with Salazar and Bauer. Like even yeah. when they're pitching well, they're so inefficient that Salazar, especially, it's like you're hoping for six really good innings because even if he's fantastic, he's not going to be able to go any farther than that because yeah, he just throws so many pitches an inning. Yeah, and I definitely trust Salazar more to strike out as many batters as he needs to make up for the the walks and the mistakes more than Bauer. I don't think Bauer can ever strike out that many. That's why he's not the number three. He's like number four or five. So Salazar didn't strike out as many. He's basically exactly Trevor Bauer. <laughs> yeah. And so he, we'll see. I mean, again, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm not worried, uh, but I think it's worth observing that the starting rotation has, has not been other than Carrasco uh, hasn't been impressive so far. Yeah. And yeah, Carrasco, that's that's the thing worth talking about on his own is that he's been really good from his, his injury back. I think, what was it, a shoulder he had in coming out of spring training too or was it an elbow? I can't remember now. But obviously the hand last year and then the spring training injury and he's been the good pitcher in the starting rotation so far. Yeah, a couple home runs, but uh, you know his walk rate's been really low. And, and watching him pitch, again, just you know the eye test for whatever that's worth, I felt like he's looked good. Yeah. So my last one is that at least so far, again, the – Annoying disclaimer. Um, left-handed pitches are a problem again. It's the the same annoying, soft-tossing, no-notoriety left-handed pitchers. <laughs> the Indians seem to always struggle against every year, at least for a certain streak of time. Um, they're hitting 220, 320-307, slash line against left-handed pitchers this year. The big culprits, uh, the first one is Santana. I remember last year he was platooned off. Um, he wasn't the leadoff batter against left-handed hitters for probably a good reason. It was Rajai Davis. He's 3-for-21 against lefties. Brandon Geyer, who last year just murdered left-handed pitchers, he's 3-for-18 with a strikeout. And Yandy Diaz, 3-for-17 with five strikeouts. Uh, even Edwin, he is 4-for-15, which is good, but he struck out six times against lefties. Um, he's striking out a lot in general. but And people kind of get worried. They say that it's going to get even worse when Kipnis comes back. But as much as I do like Yandy Diaz, I can't imagine Kipnis being worse than 3-for-17 with five strikeouts against lefties. So... <laughs> I think lefties are a problem right now. I think it'll get fixed. I don't think Brandon Geyer is going to be this bad against lefties. I don't think Edwin's going to be this bad against lefties all the time. Carlos Santana might kind of be. He's never been great against left-handed pitching. And I also don't think Jason Kipnis is going to tank the team against left-handed pitchers. So right now, left-handed hitter, left-handed pitchers are a problem again, and it probably will be for a little bit. But when the Indians get back on track, I think one big reason they will get back on track is because they're going to start hitting lefties again. But for now, it's it's a problem. It's not fun to watch. I'm glad we don't have to face Chris Sale on the White Sox anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's... Whatever you do, Jason. Advertisements on the internet. <laughs> I'm curious, there's some sort of DJ bear in this ad. I wonder what's going on there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're, you know, they're going to be better against righties and lefties all year. Uh, 
you know, the other big thing that could help against lefties is Edwin Encarnacion getting going at some point. Yeah. Um, but he could be a big difference maker in that regard. And we can get into him now or we can get into him later. I mean, he's certainly worth talking about at some point tonight. Yeah, we can talk about him now. It is He has also walked five times against lefties. He just hasn't had the power yet. He's got a couple singles. He's walked a bunch. So he's working his way there. I think just because he's he's new and for the Indians, a big contract, um, you know, a lot of disappointment about how he's hitting so far. And I get that. You know, he's his his numbers are not impressive so far, and he's only hit one home run and and all of that. Uh, but it's worth mentioning, I think, historically he's been a slow starter. Uh, as recently as last year, 10 games into the season, he hadn't hit a home run. He had uh, a double as his only extra base hit in 10 games. Yeah. Uh, his, um, but and for his career, if you look at his career splits month by month, uh, his OPS for April is only 755 compared to his overall OPS of uh, 848. So he's been a slow starter. Uh, his career OPS in May is 816, so he's gotten better in May, but still hasn't really been up to full power. But in the summer, he's been awesome. Uh, June, July, and August combined, uh, his OPS is, is over 900. Um, so he might just be someone who's, going to kind of stumble along uh, and still end up with, you know, 35, however many home runs. Yeah. So I'm not worried about him at this point, and he could be a big difference maker. That, you know, that's, of course, why he was signed. He could be a big difference maker in the lineup once he gets going. Yeah, at NP Tweets Sports on Twitter, he asked the question, we all know Edwin will heat up, but when do you guys think that will happen? We basically just answered it. He'll, it'll probably be in the middle of summer at some point. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, he sort of peaks in June, July, and then he sort of tapers off again. But between now and Memorial Day, and right. then his, historic trends would say he'll get a little better than this for a while, and then around Memorial Day he'll really take off. Man, that's what you want. It didn't, I don't think a, a fast start and is necessary. The difference a game can make this time of year, because if he were to hit like two home runs tomorrow, his OPS would go up like 250 <laughs> points or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Jordan Bastian's been mentioning no that a lot. Like, if you get three hits in a game, suddenly you're amazing in the first few weeks of the yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah, that was my final thing if I had to do an extra one, was that perception this time of year is useless. Like, you, I mean, you can look at how people have done, but like you said, over one game, the perception of somebody can change so much when in reality they were the same exact player, but they just happened to get a couple extra hits. So that happened with Jose. People thought he was struggling, and then he had that three-hit game, then the two-home run game, and now he's amazing again. Right. So Yeah, I mean, I mean his, his numbers for the season are... You know, he hasn't had quite the same. You know, he hasn't had the big moments like Lenore's Grand Slam and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, his numbers aren't that. He's actually batting. He's batting 370 right now. So he's got. He's leading the team in hitting, and his on-base percentage is just behind Lindor's, and his slugging percentage is over 600. He's he's top 10 in WAR right now too. Yeah, and that's almost all entirely from the last two games. <laughs> I think five of his hits are from the last two. So it's just weird this time of year. But so yeah, um, I think another thing worth talking about. Uh, again, back on the bad trend, it's just Josh Tomlin. You kind of mentioned it before that he's one of the pitchers who hasn't been good at all. So how long do we think his leash is? He's allowed 13 home, thirteen earned runs in his first two starts, only two home runs, which for him is, is low. One home run a game is not much for Josh Tomlin. Um, but he's been really bad in the, the fifth starter spot. Meanwhile, Mike Clevenger, who's going to replace him at some point, uh, he's nearly perfect in AAA. He leads all the minors in strikeouts with 25, I think, last I checked. 
he's allowed a whopping one run in AAA. But, but yeah, how long is it? How many more just awful outings is Trevor Josh Tomlin going to have before he gets replaced? Or do you think maybe he can pull it around and just sort of stick around the whole season? Uh, I mean, I certainly think he can turn around and stick around all season. I think what he did last year, he can do again. Um, if he doesn't, I I think he's got another three starts for sure. I can't see Francona going away from any of the guys in the rotation before they've made five starts. Um, but, you know, if he were to have three more bad starts, then I could see, uh, especially if Clevenger picks this up, you know, two weeks ago when we were doing the last podcast or two and a half weeks ago before the season started, I said I sort of thought Ryan Merritt was next on deck. But given how well Clevenger's pitching right now, uh, he probably has pulled back ahead of him. Um, so he keeps it up and Tomlin keeps it up. I guess three more starts push it I mean, basically end of the month. You know, May rolls around. I could see Clevenger taking over. The other thing is I could also, I mean, I know why we're talking about Tomlin and he's the most likely but let's say Tomlin gets it going and Trevor Bauer has three more bad starts. Like, yeah. Does Bauer have all season to pitch poorly? Or at some point, could Bauer get bumped out for Clevenger? Oh, I think he definitely could. I mean, he was last year to start the season. So, well, not for Clevenger, for Cody Anderson. But there's just too many good pitchers coming up who could repl- who could be a perfectly fine four or five starter to let Tomlin and Bauer keep being as bad as they've been. So, they both have a leash at this point. I just don't know exactly how long it is. I think three games is pretty accurate for Tomlin. I imagine Tomlin or uh, Bauer has quite a longer one because every time we talk about him, we have to mention he's not that old. I think he's like 24, 25. Um, but yeah, Tomlin's a little older, but there still can be potential in Bauer. <laughs> he just got to put it together for more than one game at a time. And of course, last year we saw that streak of games where he was just really good. So he can do it at some point. So I think he does have a longer leash, but... If he's the one who's bad and Tomlin's good, maybe Bauer goes back to the bullpen for a few games and Clevenger comes up and either he takes off or he falters again in the majors. We just have to find out and see. Yeah, and I think it's more likely that it's Tomlin. Oh, yeah, and of I course. Said, yeah. And as someone who has defended Tomlin a lot over the years, uh, you know, between his age, he wasn't quite as good last year. He's been worse so far this year. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't expect Bauer to pitch his way out of the rotation. Yeah. But I also don't – yeah, I don't think he has, like – you know, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, if they're they're healthy, they're not getting moved out of the rotation for anything. <laughs> yeah. And Bob certainly hasn't put himself into that tier of pitcher. What about Salazar? He's got a – I can't imagine he gets put out, does he? Or Yeah, I, I mean, partially he just – he hasn't been bad enough for me to be as concerned. Yeah. And he's been better in the past. Um, I think Salazar, it would have to be like – the all-star break and he was still something and at that at that point it would probably still be like oh and like we feel like there's something wrong with his elbow we're going to shut him down for a little while yeah so basically the exact same thing as last year (laughs) is what it would take like i can't see salazar getting demoted for any reason it would be like we're gonna put him on the dl for something if we feel like he needs to be moved out of the rotation yeah so ron anger in the comments he has an interesting question here uh, Kluber looks rusty so far. Wondering if the lighter spring training regimen has an adverse effect. What do you think of that? I don't. I think it's mostly because of the the injuries that he's had, but just in general, do you think lighter spring training might be bad for pitchers? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's one of those like it depends on the guy. I, yeah. You know, you 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 look at Nolan Ryan, who threw like a bazillion pitches a game and made thirty some starts a year for seventy six seasons. And everyone's like, oh, see, you just got to work them like that. And of course, not everyone's going to hold up like that. I have no idea. 
uh, about Kluber. I don't know what his velocity was like just for April last year, but his fastball is down about two miles an hour so far compared to all of last season. But it's possible last April his fastball was down too. But it's also possible he just, like, yeah, he hasn't gotten everything up, literally up to full speed yet. Um, you know, that could be part of it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and he had the blister, and then he had the sore back. And... Yeah, like, you know, and, and the injuries are probably maybe factoring into some, but that, to me that's not good news that, like, oh, well, you know, once he's healthy, he's fine. Isn't my attitude about that? My attitude about that is like, oh, like if he's not healthy, that could be a problem. Yeah, that's true. I, although I guess he didn't have anything wrong in the last game. It was just, it just wasn't great. And then he also has like a streak of ten batters where nobody gets a hit. So all the the pitchers are just really weird right now. Besides Carrasco, it's it's a bunch of bad and then enough good to usually string along for a chance to win and then they usually lose. But you're right about Kluber. Though. He, he's he has a stretch every game where it's like, oh, like, yeah, fantastic. he just right looks right like Kluber again. He just can't get it to last for, you know, seven, eight innings yet. Yeah, I seem to remember so many games last year, like in the first two innings, just every single star is like, Kluber's horrible, it's awful, and then like the remaining six, he'd be awesome. But he just hasn't had enough innings after that to recover. Yeah, Kluber would have to, his his pitching line would have to look like it does right now for like four months for me to. He's oh like yeah, <laughs> he has He'd no leash happy. right now. I'd be annoyed about it, but I'd still be talking him up and defending him. Down <laughs> Kluber has no leash. He's allowed to run around the dog park all he wants. He can go to any tree. He can do whatever he wants for a very long time, I imagine. Um, so yeah, that's another. Uh, Josh Tomlin, maybe eventually he'll be demoted, but somebody who was demoted, Tyler Naquin, uh, kind of a surprise, I think. He got uh, when Lonnie Chisholm came back from the disabled list. He was sent down instead of Abe Almonte. I wouldn't say a lot of people thought it'd be Abe, but well, I wouldn't say a lot. I wouldn't say most, but a lot of people did think it'd be Abe Almonte for Tyler Naquin uh, instead of Tyler Naquin going down. But it was Tyler. Um, I think the, the reasons are kind of obvious. It's the same exact issues he had last year. If you look at his heat maps, it, it's a very small sample size this year, obviously. But there's just a single line of red where he can hit the ball, and there's blue on the top, blue on the bottom. Like he cannot hit anything out of his one little zone. He struck out 27% of the time this year. Um, he finished with a 230, uh, 235, 278, 294 slash. So he has not been good this season. I don't know. Is this, I'm not going to say the end of Naquin, but at some point Bradley Zimmer is going to come up. The Indians have a bunch of outfielders who are probably better than Naquin and Abel Monte and Austin Jackson. So uh, I don't know. Are we going to see Tyler Naquin again? Or are you surprised that he was sent down for Abe? Do you think he'll be back and maybe retake the position? Amante's been playing well and Naquin has not. And it's not. You know, we're not talking about, oh, Naquin struggled for two weeks. We're going back to the last, you know, 40 or so games of last season, too. He had the the moment of the season, his game-winning inside-the-park home run. Uh, and since then, 121 plate appearances, no home runs. Uh, four doubles are his only extra base hits in that time. So he's got a 279 slugging percentage <laughs> over that span. And that's even with a batting average on balls in play of 368. So we're not talking about someone who, like, oh, he can't get anything to fall in. Like, he's got a really high batting average on balls in play. And despite all of that, uh, only four doubles to show for it. His strikeout, 30% of his plate appearances have been strikeouts. He does not look like a major league hitter and, and hasn't since, like, early August. So I don't think we've seen the last of him, but I think it's understandable that he was sent down. I think we'll see him again, but if he doesn't make adjustments, I don't, see, we'll, I don't think we'll see a lot of him. Because like you said, there's, 
you know, Zimmer at some point's going to, you know, hopefully it's going to pass him. <laughs> uh, they've got a lot of other outfielders in the mix, especially, you know, depending on other guys play, if, if they want to keep Carlos Santana out there for anything other than interleague and chisenhall has been good since he came back. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we may have seen the last of Tyler Naquin starter, yeah, I think so. It, it's weird. I, I can understand people who are frustrated with him not playing. Like, if you're just a casual baseball fan and you look at his la, la, his stats last year, like, considering how bad he ended, I mean, he played 116 games altogether, and his slash is 296, 372, 514. If you looked at, at that for a rookie, that looks incredible. But then he just started so good and then got so bad and so predictable. I think it was like Max Serger that first really figured him out and showed everyone how to beat him. And then after that, it was just game after game. Everybody knows how to pitch him now. And it just dragged over into this season. Like if there was something else bad with him this year, I think maybe he'd have a longer chance. But it's so clearly the same issue that he had last year. He's not adjusting well enough. Um, and Mary Kish in the comments, she said, we better see him again because he's doing good in Columbus right now. He's always done good in Columbus, but <laughs> that doesn't mean a whole lot because he has a really clear weakness that major league pitchers are exploiting very easily. So that's the main thing with him. I don't think he's great in defense either, so it's not like he makes up for it. Um, he looks like basically the floor of Bradley Zimmer right now, and I think that might be the ceiling for Tyler Naquin. Like, yeah. his as good as he can be is almost like the bottom of what you can expect out of Bradley Zimmer. Because this, this is what Zimmer would be. Just he'd strike out a ton. He'd have a clear weakness. Um, he might get some power, but in general, he'd just be a huge strikeout or strikeout batter. And right now, Zimmer's not striking out a ton. He's, it's still, I mean, it's like a 25%, but it's down from last year. So he's improving, so... Maybe he's already taken over Naquin in one way. He's just a matter of waiting until he gets up to the majors. Yeah, I mean, Naquin was always, I thought, playing over his head when he was playing well last year. I think most people understood that. Um, but I didn't anticipate the the crash from that to be quite as epic as it's been. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and the fact that he can't play. I mean, he's strictly a platoon bat, too. So you're never going to get him against both righties and lefties. So he's going to be taken over at some point by somebody. We'll just have to wait and see who it is. So, Jason, enough about those pesky players on the Indians. Let's talk about the important thing. Uh, the people who talk about games and talk about baseball, those are the ones that really make the sport worth it, right? I think totally. <laughs> That's what everybody watches for. It's the yeah. broadcasters. <laughs> and those That's awesome bloggers and podcasters. Right. They're all listening to us when they could be listening to the game. <laughs> exactly. Clearly, nobody's going to watch the Cavs playoffs or the Indians play. They want to listen to a podcast. But, no, let's talk about the actual Indians broadcasting crew. Uh, the main thing that wanted to make me talk about this is Jensen Lewis everybody knows who he is, they probably do just by watching him on the post-game show. Uh, he said some things. I don't know if you follow like Jordan Bashton on Twitter. He always tweets out about the launch angle and exit velocity of stuff, which is it's neat to me. I like the, like the instant stat kind of things, like see how hard somebody hit a ball, how high they hit it, and what resulted of that. I think it's kind of cool. I like that a beat writer is writing about it a lot, but apparently Jensen Lewis is very much against it. He's tweeted out a bunch of snarky stuff like, like, quick, tell him, someone tell me the exit velocity and launch angle that actually fell in for a hit with a bunch of exclamation points. Like, in a clear, I don't care, but I'm doing this way. And he's actually said, like, hey, Jordan, what was the exit velocity on that hit? I'm asking for a friend. And then uh, one of his other things was exit velocity from the garage today, 17 miles per hour. Route efficiency so far, 76%. Will I make it to the field on time? It's just a bunch of, like, really dumb, obviously trolling things. He just seems so against advanced stats and then... He responded to one person by saying, I'm not dis discarding them by any means. And I think this is what really shows that he doesn't really understand the point of them. Uh, he said, I certainly believe they help with player evaluations, but it doesn't guarantee anything during game. I think in general, Jensen's problem is that he thinks 
we think it guarantees everything, but that's not what they're for. It's not what any stats are for. So it just it's annoying as an analyst seeing an analyst broadcaster so against having more information. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you really care what Jensen Lewis thinks about Statcast, or um, do you kind of wish the Indians had maybe a better person in post game? On one level, I don't care what he thinks at all. Right. Um, partially because I don't care about him. Partially because I don't. You know, I watch the Indians on MLB TV, so I don't see pre and post game. Um, you know, so I don't see him. He's not a part of my. He's not really a part of my Indians experience. Uh, but I do care to the extent of what you said that, like, you know, if you're supposed to be an analyst and you're against having more information, like, I'm fine with someone not having like a fantastic grasp on all of the information if it feels like they're trying to learn more and they're interested in stuff. And I'm fine with someone like looking into things and and arguing against the validity or significance of a statistic. I don't think, you know, everything that we're measuring uh, is actually that significant. But so often the people who are putting stuff down clearly haven't bothered to really look into it, um, aren't coming to it a point of like wanting to know more and are just being dismissive in sort of a in a really lazy way. Uh, and it's annoying to me that so many people with that attitude have such a large audience. Because while I'm not watching Jensen Lewis, a lot of Indians fans are. A lot more people are listening to him than are listening to me, for example. Um, <laughs> or a lot of other people who I think are really smart in writing and talking about the Indians. I mean, beyond just Let's Go Tribe. Uh, so it's always annoying to me when someone I think isn't bringing anything to the table gets to talk or write for, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of Indians fans because it keeps it keeps all of those thousands and thousands and thousands of people from being smarter about it, which is annoying. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to bring up about it was that there is somebody I think who's doing a good job, uh, Matt Underwood. I know not everybody loves him. He does kind of do weird things. Like he thinks <laughs> every home run ball or every like warning track ball is a home run. It's just kind of funny that he kind of – overestimates a lot of fly balls but in general i think matt underwood is really good and the thing i like about him most is that he doesn't i don't think he cares a whole lot about advanced statistics he doesn't seem to care um about the the launch angle and the exit velocity and war and all that but he brings it up a lot i don't know if they tell him he has to but it's never like in a degrading way it's just hey look at this thing i'm not too interested in it but hey look at this this is a way you can evaluate players and then he lets it go it's usually rick manning is like oh, i don't care they don't need that They're on the field they can see it but in general, I like that he doesn't necessarily use it or want it. He's just really good at doing what he's supposed to do, which is giving you the information and letting you do something with it. I wish more broadcasters, more post-game broadcasters, not to name anybody specific, Jensen Lewis, um, <laughs> or like in-game guys, would just either just present the information as what it is or just let it go or maybe, heaven forbid, look into it and see how you use it and don't just assume it it's supposed to determine everything. Yeah, um, I think if yeah. anything, you're selling underwood. I mean, I think I, I think he is interested in it. I just think he's not super knowledgeable about right. it. Right. I think he's interested enough to look into it, but not like to yeah. the point where he's going to use it to analyze everything. Um, but he at least is bringing it up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he he to me seems like he's bringing it up from like a almost like someone else told him about it, so he doesn't know quite what he's talking about, but he thought it was sort of interesting when he heard about it, so he's passing it along sort of thing. Which is kind of so what I he's supposed to do. It's like an anecdote that he's bringing up during a broadcast. Yeah. I hope as the year goes by, he will. Uh, you know, he'll maybe get more and more. Frankly, of the, th of the main three voices for 
you know, listening to Indians games, uh, which would be Hamilton on the radio or Manning and Underwood on TV. Underwood, if, if I had to just listen to one of them, it would be Underwood. Uh, oh, for sure. Because Manning and Hamilton, and Hamilton I know is sort of an Indians fan institution, and a lot of people <laughs> who hear me criticizing are going to be turned off by it. But he and Manning, neither of them does anything that really appeals to me. I feel like for Hamilton, the big draw is his enthusiasm for big moments. But to me, it's like, I don't, who cares? Like, I'm excited in the big moment anyway. It's not really enhanced for me that the announcer is also excited. Like, I'm fine with him being excited, but I'm not going to listen to someone because if Lindor hits a home run, he's going to be thrilled too. Um, I don't need that. And he doesn't do anything I need. He annoys me when I have listened to him. Uh, same thing, Rick Manning. Like, you're not giving me anything I want. Yeah, I will. The only minor thing I'll disagree with that I like listening to him later. I do like hearing his excited calls of things. I think he's great at that. And I also like actually at Progressive Field walking through the tunnels and hearing him. I don't know, like, if it's his voice, maybe this is the thing in general that I like about baseball. But actually at the field and walking through Progressive Field, I like hearing him pump through the speakers. But, but yeah, I'm never going to listen to him over the course of a full game. <laughs> I like his highlights a lot. Um, I'll always listen to those, his excited moments. I guess they don't do anything for me either. I just like them. But. I'll, I'll never watch Tom Hamilton broadcast a full game. His, his downtime talk is just old man yells at cloud too much. <laughs> and the other thing about Matt Underwood, I don't know if you watched that, uh, the grand slam or no, it wasn't, was it the grand slam something, but Matt Underwood was really excited and he, he's, Oh no, it was, they won the home opener and he, he started to yell. The Indians have won the world home opener. Yeah. <laughs> that was like so hard. I can't imagine what he felt after that. <laughs> At least he stopped himself, I guess, but it was really clear. He was about to say they won the world series. Um, <laughs> I think in general, Indians fans don't realize how lucky they are with Underwood. I think he's really good. Not just for better than the other ones that the Indians have, but in general, like listening around the league, there are a lot of really boring, not caring play by play guys. And I think Matt's pretty energetic and, he knows what he's talking about, and I like listening to the game when he talks. I know you don't even listen to anybody, do you, when you watch a game? Yeah, no, I tend to have the volume, like, loud enough that. that it doesn't seem like it's muted, but quiet <laughs> enough that I'm not really paying attention to what they're saying. Well, do you ever uh, have, um, what do you watch on? Do you have an option to, like, play, just do the park sounds? That's a new thing I found on PS4, which I is actually kind of neat. I mean, I watch MLB TV on my TV, like, through a PlayStation. Oh, yeah, that's what uh, I do. But I've never really, like, dug into the audio overlay options just because, again, I usually listen to it mostly turned down while I'm grading papers or yeah. writing something, whatever yeah. else. So you're not even, like, into the, the ambiance of having the sound of, like, the park effects? You just don't care about sound well, at all watching it? It's a little weird to me if there's no sound. So I keep the volume on, like, loud enough that I can hear that something's going on, but low enough that it's really easy to ignore what's actually being said. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. I don't know, I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I could watch a full game like that. It'd be too quiet for me. Because even if I do anything, I like having loud people in the background talking. Like, even if it's not baseball yeah, people, like, I can't focus. Be, I mean, as someone who babbles on our podcast every week, <laughs> it's probably going to come as a surprise. But I'm actually a pretty quiet person, so... No. I'm good with that much noise. <laughs> I don't, I can't even listen to music. It's harder to focus with that, just like somebody talking... I know there's some people who, like, they like to study in a public place because they can have other people around them that are not focusing on them. It's, like, a thing, I guess. I don't know. But that's yeah. what I have, too. It's weird. Um, so, yeah. That's enough about that, I guess. I like Underwood. I don't think either of us like Manning or 
Tom Hamilton a whole lot. And Jensen Lewis, just just stop, man. You're an analyst. <laughs> Use data or don't. Just ignore it. So let's move on to the Twins, who obviously are underway already. But let's kind of preview them a little bit. I didn't even write down anything for this. They're, they're the Twins. Just just beat the Twins. <laughs> have Irvin Santana, who's off to a really good start. He's just basically playing up his trade value. Uh, they're playing the other good pitcher today, who's a sinker baller who might get a bunch of ground balls and be good. Or he'll just be bad. Um, I don't know. The Twins are just such an unexciting team. The only player I'm really excited about that they have is Byron Buxton, and he's struck out in, I think, exactly 50% of his at-bats. So <laughs> I'm a fan of, like, really speedy center fielders. I loved Kenny Lofton, and Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite player ever. So I like that kind of player. I was really excited about Buxton. He was in a really funny vine one time. I don't know. There's a bunch of things I was excited about as a prospect, and then he's just so bad. The only thing I'd ever want to root for on the Twins, and he's he's letting me down. I know what it feels like to be a Twins fan now, temporarily, because I don't like Joe Maurer. Miguel Sano, he's not very good. Brian Dozier is really good. I don't know. I think they could, if Byron Buxton panned out even a little bit this year, they could be a sneaky good offense. But until then, they're they're going to sink to the bottom of the division pretty quick, I think. I hope I hope it starts over the next few days with the Indians getting a sweep. But I don't know. The way the Indians have been playing, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll... They have a lefty coming up who's just a rookie. Maybe he'll be another left-handed hitter who is a plague to the Indians lineup. So what do you think about the series coming up? Are you are you excited? Are you worried about it? Are you, are you super excited to watch the Twins play baseball, Jason? No, I mean, like last year. Like To me, a series is a series. This early in the year, I can't get that worked up about any single series. And frankly, there's probably not any month of the year unless it's September and it really is going to matter for whether they make the postseason or not. Indians-Twins is probably not going to be a series that – especially excites me in terms of like the twins overall uh yeah they've allowed the fewest runs in the american league and i think the fewest runs in all of baseball and good for them but there is no way they're <laughs> anywhere close to keeping that up you're just a hater jason um their offense though i think they could have an above average offense all season uh, miguel sano was was he was uh 2012 i went to the midwest league all-star game to see Lindor, uh, and Sano was the other, like, big, big prospect who was at that game. The two of them were, like, the co-headliners of it, and he's strikeouts have been an issue and stuff like that. I feel like he looks like he's made a couple adjustments based on some stuff I've read from people who follow the Twins a lot more closely than I do, uh, and he's hitting the bejesus out of the ball so far, and, you know, some of the other guys you mentioned, uh, Buxton is, yeah, just sort of a sad story at this point. Hopefully he gets things going, although not enough for them to beat the Indians, of course. But yeah, I think their offense can be legit. But there's this pitching rotation is gonna is gonna is gonna flame out at some point. Hopefully, I mean they're hopefully this like you said this series. Yeah, the weird thing is that they they also played the Tigers and the White Sox, <laughs> the two teams who Indian pitchers had so much trouble with. The Twins dominated. It's it's weird. I don't get it. But it'll flip. It's just April weirdness, I guess, early in the season. So that's, yeah, I mean. Exactly. I mean look, think about yeah. the White Sox last year, where they were up. Right. I think they were like, they they won, I think it was like 25 games, and then they lost like 25. <laughs> they basically flipped their record because they started so hot and got so bad. So maybe they'll be the Twins this year. So we're going to move on to social media questions. Uh, every Monday, we'll ask you guys on Twitter, Facebook. You can also email us, um, sbnletsgotribe at gmail.com. We'll grab your question, answer it on air. One way that it's about a prospect, by the way, I usually tag people when they say it. If you ask about a prospect, we have a prospect show on Thursdays that we usually answer with Brian Heminger. So Jason and I aren't, I mean, I follow him. I don't think you do a whole lot. You've said in the past, but those questions are more for Brian. 
he, he follows, I don't know anybody who follows prospects quite like he does. So we usually just stick to the major league questions or very important questions like this first one from at Kier Wishy Washy. He wants to know how many Indians players on the team or how many players on the team have dogs. <laughs> this is a very important question. This is maybe the thing I spent the most time on, on this whole rundown <laughs> is finding out who has a dog on the Indians. Um, I imagine this question came up because recently Francisco Lindor, he posted a picture. He has a chocolate lab named Paco. And in, I think I can't tell if Paco had a puppy or he just bought another dog and he's calling it Paco's, Paco's um, son or brother or whatever. But Francisco Lindor has two dogs now. The picture is awesome because it's Francisco Lindor. He's holding a little puppy with Paco next to him. So I think that might be what spurred it. And uh, Kira Wishy wants he just wants to get to the bottom of Cleveland Indians with dogs. So my brilliant idea to find it was to just Google each player's name with the word dog after it. <laughs> and I started with Cody Allen, Cody Allen dog. And the first thing that came up, which was really fortunate for my research time here, was that last year, uh, last September, the Indians released a pet calendar. Of course, everybody had dogs. Uh, all proceeds of that went to the Cleveland Animal Protective League and Friendship Animal Protective League in Elyria, Ohio. So they did a big fundraiser last year with pets and calendars. So I found out a bunch just from that who had a pet. Um, Cody Allen did have a pet. That's why he showed up. Alani Chisenhall, Danny Salazar, Tyler Naquin, Zach McAllister, Jan Gomes, Carlos Santana, Michael Branley, and Cody Anderson. I guess there were some more, but they didn't list them. So that's all I could find from the calendar who had a pet. Rajai Davis also, but he's clearly not there anymore. So did Mike Napoli. They all had dogs. In case you want to keep track of dogs on other teams, I know that's important. If you got a little like spreadsheet going, remember to mark down Mike Napoli has a dog. <laughs> and then the rest of the players who I didn't find there, I went through with my Googling um, search. It, it didn't go very well. It, the, it didn't come up at all. Jason Kipnis, the closest I could find is that uh, somebody at FanFest a couple years ago named their dog after Kipnis at FanFest. I don't know if they brought a picture or what, but that was posted on the Indians website. And then, of course, the other thing that came up for Corey Kluber last year when, <laughs> I think it was during the World Series, he hit a coyote with a ball. I, it was either in the ribs or in the tail, depending on who you ask. The initial story was that he hit it, the, the coyote in the ribs and it ran away. And then the story changed, I'm guessing, to make it less violent that he hit the coyote in the tail. But that, other than the calendar, which was a great resource for this important research, I couldn't find anybody else who had a dog. So at least we know a few. We have at least, what was that, 10 or so current Indians that have a dog. We can confirm That's dog. <laughs> if I would have started earlier, I might still do this. And we can come back to this next week. I'm going to ask Joel if he can tell me who one of the Indians has a dog real quick. I'll tell him it's a very important investigative journalism that I really want to know who has a well, dog. So. To reach out to, uh, to re we rate dogs and then to, to send all the Oh, Indians that's true. We could just send li that tweet of Lindor. We rate dogs. And uh, that, that could be like a, I mean, legitimately, that's like the most brilliant social media idea I've ever had is for the Indians to reach out <laughs> to that account. Like I'm going to try that. Because people love rightfully so people love we rate dogs and the funny thing about that account i think it almost entirely blew up blew up because of one interaction they had where they're like why there was some guy named brent and he asked them why do you keep writing dogs over 10 that doesn't make any sense and like because it's good dogs Brant. and he's like that's not my name it's like okay brant <laughs> that was the whole thing and that one interaction it like spread around their name and everything so yeah that's that's all i found for the dogs quite a few have dogs i couldn't find all of them i don't think but i got most of them so any, any opinion on dogs on the Indians, Jason? Did you do any follow-up research on this? You didn't just leave me alone researching dogs for the Indians, did you? I am I am pro-dog, so I'm <laughs> glad that so many Indians have dogs. Uh, I would love, I'd love to see the calendar to see pictures of all the dogs. 
I'll put it in the uh, link uh, afterwards. You can look in the chat after we get off. It's they have all the pictures or most of them anyway. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be good stuff. We could maybe uh, put up a survey and and let, let's go try to determine who has the best dog. <laughs> there you go. I should also note that I am I'm I'm not anti dog, but I'm cat over dog is where I stand, and I'm allergic to cats. If that tells you something, and I, I would still rather have a cat. It's I think it's mainly because be we used to have a mice or a mouse problem until we got a cat, and that cat just slaughtered everything and i love it because i hate mice so oh, see that's what my dog did for the <laughs> rabbit problem you got a rabbit for all in your yard okay yeah that makes sense don't aren't rabbit like really destructive for cute little animals uh well there's a bazillion of them so they're everywhere <laughs> i don't know we're not like growing crops so that wasn't a big issue but which is annoying scout did, well, i didn't even really care but scout didn't like them and <laughs> Frankly, it's her backyard, not mine. So what she says goes back there. So our next question uh, is at Chris D. Davies. He wants to know, Yandy's already good. How good could he be if I adopted the Justin Turner, Josh Donaldson swing trajectory? Which, of course, is the fact or the idea that just swing up, see what happens. Yandy's been hitting the ball. Um, I think he has like one of the hardest hit averages this year. He has a 33% gri- uh, line drive rate, but also, I don't know how this works out, but a 63% ground ball rate. So... Yeah, everything is either a line drive or directly into the ground. His average launch angle is like, it's right at zero around the negative. So he's hitting really hard. He's just not having great angles. So do you think maybe he could be really good if he improves his launch angle? We saw in the minors he didn't have a whole lot of power. Maybe that's what it's been the whole time. And if he hasn't fixed it by now, maybe he can't. I don't know. Do you think it's just that easy to start swinging up? I don't know how easy it is to make that kind of change. I don't know what it would do. Uh, And I know... You and much of Let's Go Tribe, I'm pushing back against you, but <laughs> Andy Diaz is already really good. No, he's not. Like No, he's super good, Jason. Don't. He hasn't been terrible. He's batting 250 <laughs> with no power. He's played good defense. I'll give him that. Um, his weighted runs created plus right now is, is a 74. He, he's not... We, can, we need to slow down the Rookie of the Year train a little bit. <laughs> Jason Lucart's views do not reflect those of Let's Go Tribe.com or Let's Go Tribe's affiliates. <laughs> I think you're right in that, but I mean, he's good for a rookie, right? That's what he's saying. He's good for what he is right now. And if he would just hit higher, he might is be even he, better. I don't know. I mean, he's not like weighing the team down right now. I'm not like disappointed in how he's playing, but he's he's batting 250 with no power. Like I will say the people, even with good defense, it's hard to have a slugging percentage of 273 and tell me someone's doing well. Whether it's their first season, their sixth season, their last season, their only season. Yeah. I, I would say the people that are saying it'd be better if Kipnis didn't come back, maybe just pump the brakes on that a little bit. Kipnis is going to be better than Yanni Diaz. But for what he's done, for filling in and how he's been, he's been good. And his, his biceps are massive. That's all I need. <laughs> but yeah, if he swung higher, I mean, you're, everybody's going to hit better if he swing higher. So that's that's well, kind of the general thing. It could be a swing. Something about yeah. his approach offensively needs an adjustment because it was it that is. easy they just do it they just say swing higher and he'd be, he'd be right. great um really quick answer we can do on this one at polish lancer wants to know what happens when you hit a base hit with a runner on second or third any idea it's been so long since we saw it jason any idea really what happens there i used to know <laughs> but and actually edwin Encarnacion did have an rbi single today that happened with Whoa. Someone on third base. Did so. you get arrested afterwards? I don't think you're just allowed to do that. <laughs> See, this is what happens. I wasn't watching the game, so I don't know what actually happened. 
So our next one is at LGT Phil K. Obviously, Phil Karras, writer on Let's Go Tribe. I think he was on the podcast once. We didn't get him on again. But he wants to know, out of all the LGT staff writers, are there any besides me who couldn't currently out it hit Jan Gomes? I think I we'd all hit worse than Jan Gomes. There's no way we'd be better than Jan Gomes. Could Would we you, hit Jason? Better than Perez. Then, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting words. Even worse. So if we're going to talk about Jan hitting poorly, I think it's only fair to mention... He's the best hitting catcher on the team right now. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. But no, I'm, I don't know. Could you, Jason? Do you think you got what it takes here? No, I don't. Uh, what I what I would <laughs> very much like is the opportunity to go to a major league stadium and take batting practice with no one watching because I don't need that humiliation. But <laughs> I'd be fascinated. I was a good like youth baseball player. Like I played travel ball through junior high and stuff like that. I wasn't like a big power hitter or anything. Mm-hmm. But I'd be fascinated to know in like a, we're just going to throw 70 mile per hour fastballs, how far I could hit a ball. I, I mean, I I have some friends who are adamant they could hit a home run. Oh, there's no me, way. They have an excellent hit home runs. I guess my friend who's, you know, 6'4", 220 pounds, I'm sure he could hit a home run. But then, of course, a lot of it's like your mechanics and your timing and all of that. I'd be fascinated to get like 50 right down the middle pitches and just see what I could actually do. I could not out hit Jan Gomes. Let's try to make it a little more plausible, I guess. So let's say Jan Gomes has two hits right now. What if he plays a full season and doesn't get another hit? Could you get two hits over a full season, you think? Are you including his hit tonight? Oh, does he have a hit tonight? So whatever he has, like three three or four hits, whatever. Could you get five hits in a whole season? So like the manager just keeps putting me out there no matter what? Yes, he's like, you need to out hit Jan Gomes. My job's on the line here. You stay out there until you get more than five hits. I'm going to guess no, just because I don't, I mean, like, you know, balls in play, it's like, yeah, like a certain number that I'm going to fall in, like crappy little hits, like that I beat out and fall behind the second baseman. But realistically, I would just swing and miss a lot. So I, no, I don't, I don't think I would pick up six hits in the, I don't, I don't think I, I'd be able to average a hit a month. I don't think I'd be able to do it. <laughs> so since none of us are going to be the replacement catcher for the Indians, uh, at DG or D Gaber 95, I guess, if you're the Indians, what catcher could you realistic, real, uh, realistically trade for? I think anybody is within range if you're going to give up the same package you're going to give up for Jonathan Lucroy. Like Greg Allen, Francisco Mejia, um, Sean Armstrong, whoever else it was. If you're going to give up that again, you could get just about any catcher who's on the market, I guess. Well, but that's the thing. Like, who's on the market? Right. Right now? It's April. Like, yeah. There, there's I no. Like, I can't talk about trade targets two weeks into the season. The Indians have two catchers, both signed the long-term deals. Uh, <laughs> I think at this point, the catchers who are in the system are the catchers we're going to see playing significant time for the Indians for the next couple of years. Yeah, and it, like even if you looked ahead to the trade deadline and assumed, okay. There's going to be some. There's there's going to be a trade. There's like no good catchers on bad teams. I guess the closest is Francisco Cervelli if you consider the Pirates bad. But like nobody else, all the even mediocre catchers are on at least teams who wouldn't trade them. So if the Indians were going to trade for a catcher, with I agree with you, I I don't think they will. If they were going to, it would be extremely hard to do it because there's like no nobody to get. So. Probably not. Francisco Mejia in a couple years. For now, we're just going to have to deal with what we have at catcher. Which isn't the worst, because you don't need a ton of offense at a catcher, I don't think. And they're not going to hit this bad forever. 
There's another very important question. I can't find the name, but uh, Matt Schlichting <laughs> tagged us on Twitter and said we need to address it here. The tribe, somebody on Facebook asked, I think. They said the tribe needs to get rid of Gomes, McAllister, and Santana. Um, what do you think of that, Jason? Is that Do they need to do that? They totally no. do, right? <laughs> they don't need to. See, this is why, this is why we can't have nice things, because people can't be rational about, about two weeks' worth of stuff. I love Carlos Santana. He's awful. Playing terrible right now. I will grant anyone who wants to criticize him, he is off to a very bad start despite a couple of home runs. Um, talk to me in July. And then if Santana's still playing poorly, don't talk to me in July because I don't want to hear about it anyway. Yeah, and as, as a fan of just Santana in general, I, I want him to do good this year because he's in a big contract. He was not from the Indians, just somebody. I want that guy to get paid. Um, their last question, we'll just wrap it up with this one. Uh, Dave Johnson on Facebook, he said, Francisco Lindor is a 10-game hitting streak. What's the tribe's record? It's Napa Joy, 1906, with 31 as the the major league record. The obviously an organization organizational history. It's Francisco Mejia's 50 game hitting streak last year. So easy question there. Napa Joy, 1906, was the last one. Does Lindor have a hit tonight? Did you see? Yeah, he does. There you go. 11 games. Uh, that that might be a thing. That'll be nice to watch. So since that was such an easy answer, what do you think? Is he going to get even close to that? No, I mean <laughs> the, the smart answer is oh. To, is a guy going to hit safely in the next dozen games? Smart yeah. answer is always no. So yeah, I'm going to say yeah. no. Yep. I agree. I, I wish he would. But Francisco Mejia's got on the hit streak too. So I don't know what's going on there. That I don't know. Maybe he'll get booted up quicker than we think. But he's been really good. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much our show. Jason, what are you up to until next week? Just being a dad, which is what I got to go do <laughs> right now. Okay. So we'll talk to you next week. Uh, everybody else. Same thing. We'll talk to you next week.